So Lord, uh, open our eyes now to your word. Thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, I'm in Colossians 3, so open your Bible, put a marker there, and then go to the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles, and we'll start in chapter 15. 1 Chronicles 15. This Thursday is Thanksgiving Day, and so this Thursday we will uh, either go to bed with the turkey in the sink or in the garage or somewhere, right, on the, uh, on the grill or in an oven, uh, and... Uh, and then we'll get up in the morning and we'll start cooking like we've not cooked like this since last year this time. And while we're cooking, we'll kick on the TV. And what's on the TV? The Macy's Day Parade, right? Any of you watched the Macy's Day Parade? Yeah. And that, that's just kind of an American tradition. The Macy's Day, Thanksgiving Day Parade, it will go right down Broadway in New York City. There'll be marching bands, there'll be animal acts, floats, balloons, horses, dignitaries, clowns. I, you know, when I write this, I didn't realize I put dignitaries right by clowns. I, <laughs> it should have been politicians and then dignitaries and then clowns, something like that. I'm not sure. But uh, in our lifetimes, it's, it's just part of the national story. I grew up with that parade, but it started in the 1920s as a tradition from first-generation European immigrants. I don't know if you knew this or not. And um, th those first-generation people were dressed up as clowns and cowboys and knights, and they borrowed animals from the zoo in New York that day to march. And when they did that, by the way, all the people that did that that day, they all worked at the same place downtown in New York City. They all worked at a place called Macy's. Isn't that, that's how it became known as the Macy's Day Parade. And we think of the event as an original, but it's not really an original. It is for our country but the participants brought it from their homeland in Europe. But when they had a, a Thanksgiving kind of parade in their homeland, that wasn't the original either. So today, what I want to give to you is the original Thanksgiving Day parade, okay? It comes to us from 1 Chronicles chapters 15 and 16. In the early days of history, in God's story, Israel was a, as a country, as a people, we call them the Jews or the Hebrews, they were God's chosen people, but they were coming into a piece of property. Their first king's name was Saul. Their second king's name was Solomon, or was David, and then the third one was Solomon. Under the reign of David, the borders would be extended, and there would be a, a huge national security um, push. He would make this a great country. And David would extend the borders and secure the nation and settle the land and Jerusalem would become kind of the capital city, the major city. And then they would bring in this box, this Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was central to Israel's worship. It was a container, a box, about two feet by two feet by four feet. So think of it as a blanket chest or something. But then it stood on legs. So think of it as an entry table. It had legs two by two by four. And then they had rings in the sides of that box because no one touched it. They had rings in it, and then they, they ran poles through that on either side. So guys would pick it up and carry it up above their shoulders and never touch the actual box. They just touched the sticks or the, or the, uh, the rails on it. And, and when the people carried it, they were moving for them what represented not only the act of worship but represented their God and bringing it into Jerusalem meant we're finally home. We're finally moving in. 
And as they brought it in, it meant uh, they're a legitimate country. They're a legitimate people. They're finally settled. You ever had that where you, you feel like you're in motion, but you're not legit until you finally settle in a place? That's the way they felt. For David, it meant that he was fulfilling his job as king, and he wanted to build a temple, but he couldn't yet. And so he built a tent, and this ark would go into that tent. And in chapter 15, um, just if you have a Bible open, after David, verse 1, after David constructed building for himself the city of David, that'd be uh, in Israel, he, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. And David said, no one but the Levites, those would be like the pastors, okay? They'd be the religious leaders. No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because God chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. By the way, when guys would trip and fall, if you, if you went to catch the ark, the guys who did that were killed. This is how serious that was. So it's an honor to carry the ark. It's also a high insurance industry. That was a sick joke. It was just the guys died carrying this thing. So even though they're honored, they're a little scared about doing it as well. And so David would say to the Levites, consecrate yourselves. Uh, uh, they had done this and had blown it before. So he says, this is not just a public ceremony. This is a private one. In your heart of hearts, you need to confess your sin, get right before the Lord. And, and they had done this wrong and had paid the price dearly. The guys knew that. So the guys, the Levites, consecrate themselves, pray, set themselves as, apart as holy guys. Then David says, I want some singers to go out in front of us. And uh, verse 16, 17, 18, he says, I want lyres and harps and cymbals. It all sounds loud because it is going to be loud. Lyres are kind of like a mandolin or, or like an auto harp um, and, uh, or like a guitar, a banjo guitar uh, would be the lyre. And then the, the harps and cymbals, cymbals are a percussion instrument. It seemed to be that they were going to be making a lot of noise as they parade through town. And so then they get the singers together, and when they do, verse 22 tells us they get Kenaniah. He's not only a Levite, not only is he a pastor, but he's also the best singer. Now, if you're going to have someone lead the songs, you want your best singer taking the lead. They get Kenaniah to do that, and he isn't just a singer, he's also a pastor, and, and he wants, so he wants the singing, I hope you get this, he wants even the singing to be consecrated, so the guy leading it is holy. So he doesn't lead them just to be musically great. He leads them towards a life of holiness. Wow, we sang it. I call you faithful. You are so faithful. You are so faithful to me. Do you ever sing that at home? You should. It's a great song. It, it's a song that leads us. I call you holy. You sing that one all week. It's a great song, and I don't get paid for saying it. Do you know who wrote it? Ernest wrote that song. Did you know that? Um, my gosh, that's, it's a beautiful song, but, but he doesn't just lead us to music. He wants to lead us to holiness. You understand the difference? That was Ken and I's job too. Before singing, these guys are all consecrated before the Lord to lead them not just to sing in a great way, but to be holy before the Lord. And then, of course, Ken and I goes down the hall and he says, I need to get some horns, some trumpets. We need a brass section. This is getting larger and louder yet. And we have not only that, but we want some ram's horns, which have you ever heard a ram horn play? You don't tune those. They just go, they just, they're just out there. They're just noise. So they've got noise kinds of things happening. 
So if you, if you don't like noise, you probably aren't going to like the Thanksgiving Day Parade in the Bible. And you may not like heaven all that much when you think about it. This Thanksgiving Day Parade also included a sacrifice. Verse 26 tells us that they, it cost them something. They gave up animal life for this. Um, some bulls and rams were, were given, and that was potential income. It was also their back. It was also their labor force. It's a future meal as well. And then they dressed up, and they go to sing, and they, they march down the street and into town to head to the tent. And once inside the city, chapter 16, verse, verse 1, they brought the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. So before they even do anything else, they begin to offer something to the Lord. And then they finish the sacrificing, the burnt offerings, and the fellowship offerings. They bless the people in the name of the Lord. They just, they just blessed the people. And then they gave a loaf of bread. They even fed the people. They gave them a loaf of bread, a cake of dates. So for them, it would be like dried uh, cake of, of dates. It would be smashed dates into like a, into a pad. And that for them was something sweet. Today, we put sugar in, in America in everything. You know, it's just an industry piece. But in that day, a piece of dried fruit was the sweetness of the earth. That was for them a real treat. So he gave, gave them a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. In other words, this is party day. This is a great day to eat. And after that, then he explains what he's doing. And that's chapter 16, verses 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Now, let me read it out loud for you. But, but what we're about to read is not a suggestion. It's not optional. David is telling them, you are to give thanks to God because we've landed in this property. And he goes over the story of the Lord and they know the story of how they got there and they know about the previous king. And, and he knows that some will go to the parade but never get grateful. They'll go to the parade but not really engage in the parade. And it will happen this week, by the way. Some people will, will have the dinner but never say thanks and never really bow their heart, open their heart to say thanks to the Lord. And so David wants to make sure. First Chronicles 16, verse 8 reads, so you make sure, he says, you give, give praise to the Lord. In other translations, give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he's done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. You get the re- repetition that's there for emphasis. So don't just sing to him. Sing to him. Get it? He says, make sure that you sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. If if it's your habit to circle in your Bible, just circle first words of each of those verses. You give, you sing, you glory, you look, you remember. You give. You just don't, don't hang on to it. You let it out. And you sing. You emotionally engage to it. You glory. You dwell in it. Meditate on it. And then you look. You look forward to the strength. But you remember. You look backward too. You see the faithfulness of God. There's your five points right there. Let's break them down a little more. Number one. Give thanks to the Lord. Verse eight. And give praise to him and proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he's done. Don't keep it to yourself. Verbalize your appreciation to God. 
Don't just have a meal. Don't just watch a game. Don't just watch a parade. Don't just chat with family. Don't just go shopping. Take a moment. Have a serious moment and say, thank you, God. And when you say thank you, it humbles you. It makes us realize that we sing it, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We know where the blessings come from. It helps us to see who our provider is. It helps us to focus on gratitude instead of what we don't have. It counters the pull of society, my rights, my life, me first, when we just stop and we give thanks to the Lord. How many of you have electricity in your home? Okay, I would expect more hands than that, but that's okay. <laughs> how, many, how many of you lost electricity overnight? Yeah, because we've never had wind before. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it, it, we, oh, why did the electric go out? Because it rained? Is that a good reason? I don't know, yeah. Uh, how many of you have an electric device in your house? A television or computer? Yeah, look around. Just, it's most everybody. How many of you aren't going to raise your hand no matter what I ask? Yeah, it's like 20%. Yes, thank you for raising your hand. <laughs> Those devices are wonderful. But they can go a counter to this thing called giving thanks. Because you could be having a good day. And then you can get on, it's not called Facebook, it's called Pride Book. Let's be honest. They take a picture of the best moment of what they have and you don't. And you were having a good day until you got on that thing. Right? You were content until you got on Pinterest and saw just how awful your dining room furniture really was. Right? You were, you were fine eating at the table until you saw what could be yours. Right? Is that true? Yes. And you were, and, then, and this is another thing I see too. Um, I'm sorry, but you, you're, you're doing just fine until you turn on television and you see someone, they rehab their home in seven days. We're three months and we can't get a hallway painted. Anybody, amen, amen to that at all? I mean, does anybody else have this problem? Yeah. And, and so you're, you're just fine until you watch a television show where mysteriously people walked in and just, oh, we'll, we'll change this, we'll move that wall, we'll take that out, we'll just, and they do it. And I'm going, does that county have no code? I mean, is there, what's, why can't we do that and get away with it? We can't. I'll tell you this, you, you may need to just back away from it. I, uh, my wife gave me a couple books for Christmas this last year, really, really good books. Um, that dealt with culture and society. And one of the things the guy said in the book, he's also done it online, is he says, when I have staff together and we're meeting in staff, we don't allow a phone to be on the desk. Because if the phone is on the desk, you will look at your messages. And if you, they get priority over you. It's true, isn't it? It is true. You have to almost put it away just to be with the people you're with. Because calling actually it becomes the priority over the person in front of you. It happened to me the other day. I was in a store ready to buy something and I had my card in my hand and the item I'm ready, and a phone rang and the, I should go out to the car and call that guy and bump him off and get in line in front of that. Does that make sense? Only in my own sinful heart does that make sense. You understand where I, the technology got in the way of the personal interaction for that guy to make money because he took the phone call over taking my cash. Understand this. 
electronics are a wonderful thing, and I don't mean to diminish them, but sometimes you just put them aside for a bit and detox from it a bit. And occasionally you'll see a person just say, I'm going offline, and then some of you have some friends, I have some friends who just say, I'm going off the grid, which is everything. And you know what? Their blood pressure goes down and things go, you know what happens? They begin to give thanks to the God of gods, okay? And if that's what it takes for you, then you need to do that. Number one, give thanks to the Lord. Number two, sing to him. Sing to him. Sing praise to him, verse nine. Tell of his wonderful acts. When you sing, don't just sing fa-la-la. Sing words that have meaning, words that have depth, words that have meat to them because you have to set your heart in motion because you're going to need that later. And, and there's something freeing about singing. Even, even Christmas carols, even the national anthem, there's something freeing about when you sing it and you sing it together with other people. It lets loose and engages in the moment. The God-honoring music in particular it, it helps not only get our head in gear to the right thought, but it engages our emotion as well. You know this to be true because you've seen it in, in the news. Liberation forces will go into a city and take over a city and liberate the people. And immediately what will happen is there'll be people cheering. And you've seen it in the news. And women will take the wrap off of their faces and you'll see them smile. You've seen this. And what, what inevitably will happen is music comes to the streets. There is singing and dancing and radios come back on because it, all of those things had been outlawed under the old regime. If you want to crush a people, you just stop their music. And if you want to chase this further, I just encourage you, uh, Colossians 3. Just look at verse 16. Let the message or the word of Christ, and the translation says the word of Christ, the message of Christ, let it dwell richly. Let it hang in there in a thick sort of a way. Let it penetrate long enough among you so you you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and uh, and the word of christ is dwelling in you what is it with all psalms hymns and songs of the spirit some sometimes this is called the spiritual songs uh, how are you allowing the word of god to dwell in you it's through music you get this and you sing to god with gratitude in your heart singing the message of christ it, listen to me, isn't warming up to hear the word of God when we gather together to sing? That is not warm up for the big event called the sermon. No, singing is our verbal, emotional affirmation that God is good. That's why we want you to be here for all of the music, not just slip in late, oh, I got in for the last song. No, you need the full engagement because what society has done to you all during the week squeezes all the gratitude out and makes you penurious, makes you stingy, makes you uh, griping and gripping. And all that, all the music does is helps you get your eyes focused upon him. So the, the word of Christ, let it dwell in you richly, and you're going to do that through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and you're going to sing to God with grateful hearts. And it's one of the few times in the week when you hear the volume of faith being announced by others, because you don't get that all during the week. And you, you get this, let me go back to the electronics illustration just for a moment. You've gone home and you're, uh, you've just been squeezed all day and you've been under time pressures and people and all that, and then you get in the car and it's traffic and it's just not been happy. And then you finally get home, you're just going to warm a little dinner and you just want to decompress for a bit. 
and you decide, you know what, I'm just going to turn on the TV show. You turn it on and you hear the opening theme music to a favorite show of yours. Now, it might be an old rerun, right? And as you turn it on, it sets the mood for that show, doesn't it? The writers that show know exactly what they're doing. They know they can associate with you. They can get you to that time and place with that opening theme music. They know it so well, and they're so good at it. You know why they, they do that? Because they know what God already knew. He, he was warming your heart to worship him. He knew that you were very associational. And, and the producers know that too. They're getting you ready for a show. God is getting you ready for the next chapter in your life when he warms your heart with a song, a spiritual song. And then here's the other thing too. When I sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow, you know what will happen? I do that today. On Monday and Tuesday, that song will come back to me when I'm driving or doing something else. Doesn't that happen to you? Oh yeah, it does. That's why you need it because you're, you're gonna hear that song at a time you need it in your own head. You'll be driving and you'll be wondering, why are people staring at me? Probably because I'm singing out loud. That's okay. You roll your window down and say, you should have been where I was on Sunday. You could get this too. You know, and you understand, you're going to need the word of God in you and the music does that. So give thanks to the Lord, number one. Number two, sing to him. Number three, glory in his holy name. Glory in it. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord, let them rejoice. So you bask in it. You completely get consumed, being taken by him. We will get consumed. Get this. We will give thanks on Thursday, and on Friday, we will tear into stores and undo all the gratefulness if we're not careful. And there's nothing wrong with electronics or sports or technology. Nothing wrong with any of that. But I'm telling you, the stores already know you'll you'll be running towards them. And so you have to glory in his name and seek the Lord and then you'll be able to rejoice. It was said of the first generation of Christians, they were not educated, uh, they were not educated people, but they were obviously people who had been with Jesus. There was almost a glow about them because they gloried in the Lord. They wanted to know Christ and his death and his resurrection. Not just historically, but they wanted to know it experientially. They wanted to glory in it and so do we number four look to the lord for his strength look to the lord for his strength verse 11 and seek his face always when our eyes are on the lord we find our source of blessing we know it's not in our own might and our own power we know it comes from the lord who is the king of glory the psalmist asked the question it's the lord strong and mighty the, long, the Lord strong and mighty in battle. So we sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We know where our blessings come from. Number five, we remember the wonders that he has done. Verse 12, his miracles, judgments, everything that he pronounced. And so we remember them, we call up the blessings, and we say, in rehearsing them, we say, thank you, God. We review them, we tell the story again. Because if you want a family of faith, a heritage of faith, you have to tell the stories. You have to go back to the sweetness of it. You have to remember it well and pass it along to your kids, to your children, the Bible says, and to your children's children. So, here are the five again. Let me just run by them. Give thanks to the Lord. 
Sing to him. Make sure that you sing to him. Glory. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. Bask in it. And then look to the Lord for his strength. And as you do that, remember his wonderful, wonderful works. Now, David gave thanks that day, and it was about a thousand years before Jesus came. A thousand years. A thousand years later, God would pitch a tent on earth again. Get this. And that would be the coming of Jesus. So David pitches a tent for the ark, the symbol of worship. God will pitch a tent. His name is Jesus. And when Jesus dies upon the cross, he pays for our sins. He's buried and then he rises again. He's going to go back to heaven, but he says, I will not leave you. And he essentially says, I'll pitch a tent in your heart if you'll trust the Lord. You can have the glowing presence of the Lord in your life. Every reason to give thanks if you'll trust me. And then the Lord went back to heaven and he said this, I I won't leave you, I won't forsake you. I'm going to leave for you a comforter and he'll be with you. What a gift. What a gift. Of all people in the world, we have the most reason to give thanks. And if you've never really received the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, this is your day. I encourage you to trust him today. Welcome him into your own life. And don't just go through the motions of the parade, but really be grateful for a Savior who came to be not just Savior of the world, but your Savior in particular. Let's bow together for prayer. And as we pray, would you stand with me? Of all the gifts that, that have been given to us, Lord, nothing compares to the gift of your Son. And some right here, right now, would, would open your heart right where you're standing, and you would say, God, I need the Son in my life. I need Christ to be my Savior from sin. And Lord, we want to be known for a lot of things, for great character and integrity. We want to be known for being joyful people. But today, Lord, we ask we be known because we are grateful people. Grateful that you are faithful. Knowing that you have been faithful to give to us eternal life and forgiveness and relationship with you. And because of that, Lord, we're not just contented. We're joyfully, joyfully contented because we have received the best gift in the world. May our hearts know that. May our minds know that. And um, may this be the week that celebrates your faithfulness and our followership. And we pray this in the name of Christ our Savior, the church would say, amen.